in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Sports Hour, this is Mitch Mo. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome back. It's good to be here with you. Mitch, we're, we're a few weeks into 2019, so how, how has it been so far for you? Is it everything you ever dreamed of? It's been great. You know, when Kylie Jenner gets, gets out-liked on Instagram by a picture of an egg, that just makes my life so much better for me. I, I love those type of things. <laughs> 2019 has been good. You know, you got to love a good meme, and uh, the fact that 25 million people decided to like a picture of an egg is just a beautiful thing. You know, it just Suck shows it, Kylie! You, it just shows you that the world can come together sometimes and do some good. You know what I, what I saw? I saw one of these memes making fun of it, and it, was, uh, it said, I bet Kylie doesn't really cook breakfast that often for her family because she can't even beat an egg. <laughs> that was funny. That's that's good. Yeah, I, I that's thought good. it was a good one. I like that. I thought it was a good one. I <laughs> chuckled at it. Oh man! Well, shout out to that egg for doing yes. for doing what it's doing. Doing so. its thing on Instagram. <laughs> oh! oh oh oh! Spicy okay. puns. That spicy. that Mitch. That was excellent. Ooh, hot. That was hot, excellent. Hot. That was puns. really good. That was really good. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yes. We're just uh, we're just scrambling out here. You know, off the dome. Go, we are. go get did did you get it off the dome did, no 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 scrambling oh my egg I, part. I get it oh, okay now it's okay. ruined because it. you didn't even cat all right no that's fine we'll just okay. move on and you know not recognize my great puns <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but <laughs> anywho guys uh today we are here and we are going to talk about a few things uh we have some more NFL coaching news, no head coaching hires yet, but some coordinators being hired, some names that we are familiar with, so we're going to talk about those. Uh, We're going to look at the NBA season so far, which is just over halfway. Most teams have played about 44 games so far, so we're right just past halfway, so we're going to take a step back and look at our preseason predictions and what we have gotten right, what we have missed on, and, and, and project out towards the end of the season and, and what we see will happen. So we'll talk about that. And then obviously NFL playoffs going on. And Mitch, we have a pair of games this weekend that are just going to be a lot of fun to watch. I I know. I'm excited. This is the time of year where I still wish there was a ton of football on. But the games are so good that it doesn't even matter. That like You're getting two Super Bowls this week, really, when Yeah. You look at it. Yeah, and we should we we expect some tight games, some really fun games to watch, and we're gonna look at that uh, and give you our thoughts and predictions going into uh, conference championship weekend as well. So a lot ahead on the sports hour as always, and uh, we're glad you chose to to stop right in and join the show. Yeah, very excited. Yeah, did you, so. did you see my little football man? No, no, I didn't. 
Oh, it's it's a it's a oh. bottle opener. That's a football helmet, Nubbin. Oh, well, that's gonna, cute. He's gonna hang out my finger today. Wow. I'm gonna name him. Oh. Not sure what what his name is yet, but get on the Instagram. Tell me what I should name my football guy. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> let us know, guys. It's imperative. We gotta get you guys on there somehow. I mean, we do, yeah, on. yeah. Feel feel free to participate. We love the insights. I want to shout out Mr. Tony Paseni, who on our head coaching uh, post on the Instagram that I made, he had a very lengthy uh, response. He wrote a freaking down, novel, bre- breaking down <laughs> each each head coaching hire and what he liked and didn't like, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you, Tony, for that. That's the kind of stuff we want to see. We want you guys to be a part of this, and we loved seeing that. Uh, and I appreciated your insights, Tony. It was it was really nice. It so was very nice that. to see that. Yeah. We we appreciate that type of stuff. Yeah, we absolutely guys, do. Be like Tony. Be like, be like Tony. Be like Tony. Yeah. Tony. Tony. What was his nickname? The Soprano. The Soprano. That's right. That's right. The Soprano. Be like the Soprano. Anywho, Mitch. Like Mitch, it's been a few minutes. Ooh. We should probably just just get right into this, shouldn't uh, we? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Every time. Yeah. Every, Every time. time. It's great. Guys. Is, yes, it's going to be a screech. Pretty soon. It, <laughs> I'm waiting for the full blown blood curdling scream that like that shocks me. Like I don't even see it coming. Yeah, it'll happen one of these days. <laughs> I look forward to it. But um, Mitch, let us start in the NFL uh, and let's go over some of these coordinator hirings that we have. Let's uh, let's start in Arizona. Vance Joseph, former head coach of the Denver Broncos, who was leaving his duties a few weeks ago, has joined the Cardinals. As the new defensive coordinator, um, which is what he originally did. Um, so, Dallin, uh, your takes on this. I mean, I have an opinion on this. Um, I'd like to hear yours. Go ahead. First, no, no, you share yours. Oh, you share well, yours. okay. Okay. I mean, we've seen a lot of head coaches in the past that don't do that don't succeed as head coaches. But then they go back to being coordinators and like, oh, that's where he fits in. That's where he's supposed to be. And I feel like with, with a lot of these guys, we saw it with Wade Phillips, right? He was the head coach in Dallas. He was a coordinator, a very successful coordinator. He goes to be a head coach in Dallas, doesn't have really the success, and now he's back as a coordinator and is having a ton of success. Um, we've seen it with other guys who had had head coaching opportunities go back to being a head or a, a coordinator. Josh McDaniel's another one. That we saw it with, um, so I I hope that Vance Joseph is successful as a coordinator, and I think that's where that's going to go. I think that's the trend that I see with a lot of these guys like Vance Joseph. Yeah, you know, and and he's still young, and so you know, yes. y- you got to think if he has success as a DC that he'll get another head coaching shot, and I think he deserves it because he wasn't terrible in Denver. Obviously, wasn't ideal. Didn't keep his job for a reason, but wasn't wasn't you know terrible, and so you know you you think he'll probably get a shot at some point again. Uh, but you know a, a good spot for him on that young team and a team that is you know trying to rebuild here. Uh, Cardinals offered Steve Sarkeesian the offensive coordinator job, and he turned that down to go to Alabama and be their offensive coordinator. Which yeah. I thought was a little interesting that he turned down an NFL OC job for a collegiate OC job. 
Well, uh, Alabama is where he's comfortable because that's where he was before right. he came there, to the NFL. Is, and he's still going to be working with Nick Saban. So yep. there might be a feeling of comfort going back to that job that he's like, yeah, that's where I need to go. Um, and we've also seen it. Some guys just aren't cut out to be head co- or coaches in the NFL. Some are just yeah. better yeah. groomed to be college coaches. Chip Kelly, perfect example. Well, Nick Saban, um, who you just Nick mentioned. Nick Saban. Is a great example of that. Um, he's at UCF now. Um, coach the Raiders. Oh, yep, yep. I know who you're talking USC, about. USC, USC also. Mm, yep, cannot think of it. Lane Kiffin. I, oh, there, thank you. Lane thank Kiffin. Because I was like, I know... <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Okay, yeah. Lane, Lane Kiffin. There are there are a few. Uh, I just thought that was interesting on the Cardinals. But hiring Vance Joseph, good move. Let's move on. Your Bears signed Chuck Pagano as their new defensive coordinator to replace uh, Vic Fangio, who was hired as Denver's uh, head coach. Mitch, as a Bears fan, do you like them hiring Pagano? I do. I really like the hire. Um, I, I like Chuck Pagano as a coach. Um, he's a defensive-minded guy. Um, obviously, uh, Andy didn't work out for him. Um, but I, I do like him as a DC over in Chicago. Now, is he going to live up to the, to the expectations that Vic Fangio left behind? That is yet to be seen. I mean, I, I don't think those, those can. are, those well, are big, those are big shoes. I mean, yeah. that was an all time great defense. Right. And, and, and so, it's going to regress this year. And that's, I think something that NFL fans and bears fans need to accept much like the Jaguars experience this year, the defense has to regress. It's going to regress a little bit. So when they're not as stout next year, I'm afraid he's going to take a lot of blame and it's going to be unfairly placed on him and not just the, the nature of sports and how, regression is is inevitable yeah i mean yeah you're 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 right on that it's just i don't want to see regression <laughs> you know like well, well of course not i mean it, when you're playing and it's not that they'll be bad or even mediocre they could still be great but right they're, they're they it's going to be very uh challenging to play this well again you know it just doesn't yeah. happen i mean we yeah so uh, i liken it back and i go into my sports history nerd we saw it with the 2000 Ravens, mm-hmm. an all-time great defense. And 01, they just weren't the same defense. Still good, right? but not the same defense. And so, yeah, I, I definitely get that. We'll see that yep. probably along those lines. Right, but I like the hire as well. I mean, Chuck Pagano, he's got experience. He's a good guy to bring in uh, next to, you know, they're still young head coach, Matt, Matt Nagy. So, yeah, I liked it too. Nothing, uh, nothing much there. Yeah. I know who Steve Wilkes is, but I have no idea who this. Is. Okay, I'm pull. I'm pulling it up right now. I'm gonna pull up the information. Uh, so Todd Munkin is the guy we're talking about here. Uh, Todd Munkin has been hired as Cleveland's new offensive coordinator, uh, and Steve Wilkes has been hired as their new defensive coordinator. Obviously, Wilkes was the head coach for a season in Arizona. Uh, was fired after a three thirteen season. Is still a young, defensive minded coach that'll be, I think, a very good addition to uh, to this Cleveland defense. But the offense. So Todd Munkin was the offensive coordinator in Tampa, and and so now filling that same role, uh, but here uh, in Cleveland, he did interview for head coaching opportunities with the Jets, the Packers, and the Bengals. Uh, so I, th- this is a guy who, yeah, you know, had been looked at kind of as a possible head head coach, but uh, joining Cleveland as the offensive coordinator. So, 
Uh, I like it. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Steve Wilkes. I, I believe he was, he deserves redemption and I hope he gets it and I hope he's successful in Cleveland and I have nothing against Todd Munkin or I don't know him personally. So don't really care either way. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about Todd Munkin <laughs> to, to be honest. I didn't even know that was a human being on the face of the earth. <laughs> um, but Steve Wilkes, I do. I love this. Like if you're playing like it, love it, hate it. I'm doing, I love it times two. Me too. I mean, Me too. this is a very young and talented Cleveland defense. And to put a great mind like Steve Wilkes, who is also a young head, a, a young coach. Yeah, um, he's forty nine. So yeah. he's and, and Munkin's fifty two. So neither of them super old either. Yeah. You know? So I mean, pairing Wilkes up with that young Cleveland defense, I love it. I think that's going to be a great match. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. So and I hope they have success. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, Minnesota. Uh, hasn't filled their offensive coordinator position yet that I'm aware of. Uh, they fired John DeFilippo, uh, you know, halfway, about 11 weeks into the season this year. But they have brought on Gary Kubiak as an offensive advisor for the Vikings. Now, this is a role he had last season with Denver. He interviewed for the offensive coordinator position in Denver. Ultimately, the team decided not to offer him that job. And he goes to Minnesota as an offensive advisor. Uh, it seems to me he wants to get back into coaching in some capacity, whether it is as a coordinator or as a head coach. I Maybe this is a natural step in that direction for him. Mitch, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you, you got to start somewhere, um, unless your name's John Gruden. Um, you That's don't, true. That you is ju- true. You don't just get offered. Then you just get paid long- $100 million for nothing. So Yeah, then you, just, you don't get offered these long-term coaching deals, really. Um so it's a step in the right direction, and um, yeah, I mean this this Vikings OC will be brand new to them as well. So um, yeah, um, so there's 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 a chance that OC doesn't last, and Gary Kubiak maybe maybe steps in and takes that role over. I would love to see him um, back on the sideline very very soon. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it seems like, like I said, that's, you know, he had the health issues. That's why he stepped away as a head coach. But seems like he's he's, he's feeling like he wants to be involved still. And I, ultimately, I think this leads to another coaching opportunity. Um, and we'll see how his time in, in Minnesota goes for him. Uh, then, speaking of Minnesota, then, so Filippo fired halfway through the season, has now joined the Jacksonville Jaguars as their new offensive coordinator uh, to help this terrible Jaguars offense. Uh, Mitch, I, I'm a fan of Filippo. I thought, and we talked about this when he got fired, it felt like it was kind of unfairly, uh, treated there being fired so early and not really given the opportunity to play out the full season. Uh, what do you think about him joining the Jaguars now? I really like it. I mean, I'm, I was on board with you as far as I thought it was, he was not treated fairly in that firing. Um, this was still a, a top 15 offense. Um, it's, I mean, it wasn't prolific by any means, but it was doing what it was designed to do. I mean, you look at the personnel there, it was doing what it was supposed to do. Um, that wasn't on John D. Filippo really. And so the Jags who desperately need help on the offensive side, I mean, desperate isn't a strong enough word to just <laughs> to describe how much help they need on the offensive side of the ball. And I think John Filippo um, will get them headed in the right direction. I don't think he's a savior. I don't think this is going to turn the Jags' offense around and they're going to score 31 points a game. I, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is it's going to point them in the right direction. 
they need to go get a quarterback and they needed to get a better OC and they did it in hiring John DeFilippo. Yeah, I am right there with you. And I think we'll see some some more success from them offensively next season. So uh, the the final hiring that we will mention is Greg Williams, who was the interim head coach, former defensive coordinator for Cleveland, has joined the New York Jets as their new defensive coordinator under Adam Gaze. Uh, this was Gaze and the Jets' first pick as far as the defensive coordinator. This is the guy they wanted. They went out and they got him. I think it's great. Uh, he will, I think, continue to have success as a defensive coordinator and with a young team. With a lot of cap space, like we've mentioned about the Jets, a lot of flexibility. I think they could uh, be in for a quick turnaround, possibly next season, if they get the right pieces in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I agree with you. I mean, you know that I'm not the biggest Sam Darnold believer, but they get the right guys and they get the right guys in there, and they, this could be a team that could turn around very quickly. Um, Greg Williams, I've I've praised him for for you know. He did a great job with that Cleveland defense, and I really praised him for that. Um, and I think he's a great defensive coordinator. But a lot of people forget that he was the defensive coordinator for the Saints during the whole, like, headhunting. Oh, Bounty Gate. Bounty Gate, yeah. He uh, he was the spearhead of that whole thing. So a lot of people forget that. So you kind of tongue-in-cheek say, great job, Greg, Greg Williams. <laughs> right. But um, he's. It, it sounds like that was uh, something he's moved on from and isn't going to do again. And he's done a, did a great job in Cleveland, and I think he'll do a great job in New York. Yeah, for sure. And we will, uh, you know, we'll look forward to see how all these work out. But it's just interesting now to see these these positions be filled with some of the bigger names out there. Uh, we will give you an update on the two head coaching vacancies uh, that are still sticking around: Cincinnati Bengals and Miami. Now the Bengals have. As their top choice, uh, Rams quarterback coach Zach Taylor, uh, and they are expected after Los Angeles season uh, ends to hire him, and it seems like that's pretty much waiting just for their season to end. Uh, Miami is waiting. uh, They have their top pick. That's Brian Flores, who is the linebacker coach for the Patriots. So again, they are basically just waiting for the Patriots season to end to hire him as their new head coach. Uh, Flores was the first person Miami interviewed after firing Adam Gaze. Uh, Bengals, Taylor's 35. He's from the McVeigh tree, if you will. He actually was the offensive coordinator at the University of Cincinnati back in 2016. So uh, a return for him if he chooses to be the new head coach of the Bengals. Uh, But once those stories actually break, those firings, or sorry, those hirings, occur we will definitely talk about it here on the pod uh but just wanted to give you that update and let you know that those moves are at this point imminent they're going to happen once the rams and the patriots are no longer uh playing and that could happen this weekend or they could have to wait a few more weeks till after the super bowl yeah uh just one little bit of news before we go um Kind of breaking news. This is in the last four hours. Uh, the Lions have hired former Seahawks offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel as their new offensive coordinator. Oh, that's so. right, because they fired Jim Bob Cooter. That's right. Who my mom loves. She loves his name. It's it's the, it's, the, a, it's the best name in football. It's a solid. It's a solid name. But yeah, my mom just loves the name Jim Bob Cooter. So Jim Bob Cooter. You know, maybe they'll swap OCs and he'll go go to Seattle, and then she can root for. 
for Jim Bob Cooter in the Let's album. go, Jim Bob Cooter! That's what my mom sounds like. How America! You, that, was a, that was a really good impression of my mom, Mitch. It's exactly... Like spot, you do my dad and my mom's impressions, like, perfectly. I do I do your dad's <laughs> a lot better than I do your mom's. I don't know. I thought way. my mom's was pretty spot on, but... Yeah, your mom sounds like a... Sounds like a redneck from deep south louisiana yeah she's like she's bait my if anybody knows my no mom, offense to the deep no, south louisiana yeah. rednecks yeah so. you know anyone that knows my mom knows that she's literally like larry the cable guy she is but as like a woman like everybody knows that that's just common fact so i, I know, love I you I, I i love you christine <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not gonna apologize i think it's funny i'm apologizing <laughs> thanks i'm gonna be her favorite somebody, son now somebody has to i'm gonna be <laughs> yeah, her favorite exactly. son Oh, man. Okay, the last bit of NFL news that we have to talk about before we move on to the NBA, Mitch, is something that that you have a, a, per, uh, a personal investment into. Uh, yeah. Do, do you want to talk about this real quick? Yeah, Kyler Murray, uh, who was a first-round draft pick by the Oakland Athletics in last year's MLB draft, has decided to – he's also the – the Heisman winner, starting quarterback at University of Oklahoma, has decided to enter the NFL draft. Um, I really thought he was going to play baseball. I really did. Um, now, there's there's a lot. It's a very complicated situation right now with him being offered a contract. I mean, he said that he'd be half, he would have to be offered $15 million from the athletics for him to come play baseball. Right. The athletics are a small market team. Are they really going to spend that much money on a guy that's going to spend probably a few years in the minors? Yeah. Probably not. Right. And so, I mean, he's he kind of, to me, setting that precedent, like really giving them a price that a five-year veteran should get is him saying, like, no, I'm going to go play football. Like, that's what it said to me. Yeah, well, I think what he sees from this is that's the amount of money I can get being an NFL quarterback. So if I'm going to go play baseball, I need to know I'm going to make that much money. If not, I'll go where I know I will make that much money, right? And so like, that's, yeah. you yeah. know, and that and that's where it comes down to is, and we talked about this before when he was kind of mulling. I, obviously, he hasn't decided – it's not official that he's going to the NFL yet. There's still an opportunity for him to, to choose baseball. Uh, but, you know, spring training reports pretty soon. That's going to be a factor into this. Uh, as well, the the A's did meet with him. I think it was on Monday, Sunday, Monday. And they got permission from the MLB to offer him more money than rookies are allowed to be offered. Uh, so MLB is on board with trying to get Kyler Murray in the MLB, and we, well, hell yeah, you should be. And we've talked about this. The MLB is does does not have stars, does not have a lot of attention brought to it as much as they should. And getting a guy like Kyler Murray, who won the Heisman, to choose baseball would be a huge win. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I just don't think it's realistic, and we're probably going to see him in the NFL draft. His draft grade is anywhere between a second and third round pick, though uh, some scouts have said they could see him go in the first round for a quarterback-hungry team. Uh, And so, you know, he just has to weigh his best options, but it looks like, at least as of now, he's leaning towards the NFL and most likely will be playing in the NFL next season. Yeah, I mean, we saw a similar thing happen in reverse order with Bo Jackson um, that being drafted by the Buccaneers 
before his senior season of baseball at Auburn. Um, and the same kind of thing happened. They, I mean, he actually lost his eligibility because he had gotten drafted by the Buccaneers um, and basically told the Buccaneers, don't draft me. They did it anyway. Um, um, and then went and played baseball for the Royals. Then the Raiders snagged him a couple years later at the, in like the seventh round, which is insane, right? right? So yeah. <laughs> um, we, we've seen this type of thing happen before, and – I think if there was one athlete that could have pulled it off, it was probably Bo like, um, that could have played both sports had he not had that hip injury that ended his career in football. He probably is the only guy in history to ever be able to pull that type of thing off. Right. Um, so we're not – as much as we some of you may want to see Kyler Murray be a dual-sport athlete, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're looking at a guy that's going to pick baseball or football, and that's it. And um, I just hope – I hope he pans out in the NFL because I think if he doesn't and he spends up being he ends up being a career backup, I think he might really regret that decision. Oh, absolutely. Cuz you know that he would be he's an all-star level baseball player. At least prospect. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, he is a very very good player and already has the name recognition to get himself a lot of places. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be a huge loss if he doesn't pan out as a quarterback, but obviously he believes in himself. Uh, he's gotten enough feedback from NFL teams that are, you know, believing in him to make him uh, lean this way. And so we'll find out, you know, how that all shakes out. Uh, but is it in, it is interesting stuff. It is very interesting, this whole situation. So, yeah, that's about, uh, that's about it for the NFL. Uh, NBA news. We have just one little bit we want to, uh, to talk about here. The Dallas Mavericks are shopping second-year point guard Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, they have so far had talks with the Suns and the Magic, but nothing uh, for sure yet. Uh, this is pretty surprising because, like I said, a second-year guy, believe he was the sixth or seventh pick in the draft uh, last year, so a very high pick, a uh, lot of potential. A lot of people liked him coming out of the draft as you know better than Lonzo, better than Jason Tatum. Uh, I still think he has a lot of potential as a player, but obviously now with Luka Doncic as their guy and who they will be building around for the future, they seem to believe that Dennis Smith Jr. doesn't fit well enough next to him for them to want him around and are now shopping him. So it's an interesting scenario. I think any team that gets him is going to get a really, really good, young, explosive, athletic uh, point guard. And that can be great for a lot of teams in need of that. Uh, and I don't know what the Mavs are looking at for a return, but it is uh, it is an interesting situation, one we don't see very often in the NBA. Uh, and uh, we'll keep an eye on it here. But Mitch, do you have any thoughts on on you know the Mavs wanting to trade away a player so young. Yeah, I mean and he's very talented. I think he I think this is a guy that could make an impact on his team um the second he gets there. And really if I'm the Magic, I'm really hoping I work out a deal with them because they're sitting in the 9 seed right now. They're playing over 500 at home. They're under 500 on the road. Um and they're sitting at that 9 seed, only a game back right now of the Hornets. So if I'm the Magic, I really want to make that push to get Dennis Smith Jr to hopefully maybe push them into that 8-7 seed um, because we're getting close to half. Well, we actually we just passed halfway right. of the season. So I, I want to make that push now and try to get that guy so I can maybe get that 8-7 seed. And six, yeah. and six seed is really achievable for him too. Right. So. Well, and that's a good point I didn't even think about. Yeah, or Magic, because the East is so weak, uh, are, you know – 
five games under 500 and sitting at ninth. So yeah, I mean, that's a guy that you bring a player like that in could impact, you know, playoff berth. You look at other teams in that sort of position, maybe Detroit, uh, who's never really been very strong at point guard with Reggie Jackson, could be a team looking to upgrade there. Uh, You look in the West, the only thing with the West is a lot of teams are pretty set at point guard. Most of these teams have a point guard besides maybe the San Antonio Spurs, well, and, uh, the Clippers. And, and so, let's just look at it. Let's just look at it from like a culture standpoint. In the NBA, guys want to play with certain guys, right? Like uh-huh. I want to, hey, I want to go play with LeBron. Hey, I want to go play with Jimmy Butler. Hey, I want to go play with, back in the day, I want to go play with D. Wade, right? Like, let's say they add, let's say the Magic add Dennis Smith Jr., a young piece, Hey, I want to go play with Dennis Smith Jr. They push into the playoffs. Hey, they've got something cooking here. Right. Th- that may be a, that yep. may be an attractive spot for bigger name free agents to come sign if they have the cap space to get them. Right. And and maybe build that team from there. He might be a cornerstone type guy in a weird way. Like Dennis Smith right. Jr., not a guy that you think of as being a cornerstone guy, but he might do that for them. Yeah, for sure, especially with a team with a lot of young talent, but nobody's really stepped up to be that guy. So, right. yeah, there's an opportunity for him to fill that hole and, and, and kind of turn that around. That's a great point. Didn't even think about that. So we'll keep an eye on that. I, I expect him to be traded. It seems like Dallas is really trying to formula, form a team around Doncic, and obviously they don't believe Dennis Smith Jr. is part of that future. So I, I believe he'll be shopped over before the trade deadline. And when that happens, we will certainly talk about it here on the Sports Hour. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Dallin, I think it's time for America's second favorite sports segment. Mm. Right, second favorite. Well, but... it is it is the <laughs> most pop it is the most popular segment. In the demographic of males between the ages of eighteen and thirty-five. So. Yeah, you do have that old that old people market. Locked I do down for sure. But, locked uh, yes. down. You're not taking <laughs> it from me. Uh, but yes, guys, it is time for the infamous, the awaited, the spectacular daddy's favorites. You're not my dad. And uh, this week, I think I have. Two new guys? Somebody should... I should keep track of this. I don't... I think I have two new players on the list. I believe... Dude, I don't... I think you have all three. I I feel like I have meant... Well, we'll start with him, because we're going to start with him. Kuzma. I don't think I've... I feel like I've mentioned Kyle Kuzma. No. I've been keeping... Kuzma's not on here. Okay. All right. Well, three new ones, then. Look at that. I'm pretty sure. Would you just look at it? Um, All right. Yeah. Kyle Kuzma. Obviously, Lakers playing without LeBron over the last few weeks. He stepped up in a win against the Knicks last Wednesday. 41 points in 29 minutes. Didn't even play the fourth quarter. Uh, That is his career high in points. And a great offensive showing for Kyle Kuzma. Uh, They need somebody to step up offensively next to LeBron, and especially in his absence. And so I loved seeing Kuzma go out and ball out, score some points. I mean, Kuzma's going to be a a big cornerstone building piece for that Lakers. I mean, they're going to be a... Kuzma's going to be a part of that Lakers team for a long time. I think he's going to he's going to be one of those young guys that sticks around and builds that Lakers franchise back up. So, um, good showing for Kuzma. Yeah, for sure, and especially in LeBron's absence, they need to see something from these young players. And I think Kuzma stepped up. I think Lonzo has stepped up as well. You know, I've seen reports Tyson Chandler saying that uh, Lonzo's being more vocal as a leader, taking more charge of the offense. He's having a really balanced. Uh, he has a really balanced game offensively and defensively. 
Uh, and I think that's been good for them. And, and they need these young players to, to prove their worth for this team and, and next to LeBron. So uh, good for Kyle. 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 Performance. Kyle. Uh, the, <laughs> that's how yes. Cartman would say it. Yes, that is exactly how he'd say it. Uh, yeah. The next the next one of Daddy's favorites is LaMarcus Aldridge. Hey. A man forgotten over there in San Antonio, but he yeah. uh, he balled out in a win against the Thunder yeah, last he Thursday. Did. 56 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 blocks. I'm going to pull up. I screenshotted this graphic off of uh, Facebook, ESPN. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge's 56 points are the most points by a player without attempting a three-pointer since the year 2000 when Shaq scored 61. Uh, And I thought that was pretty neat. You know, you don't really think about that, but the three is so vital in today's game that somebody scored 56 points without even attempting a three-pointer. It's pretty crazy. So I, I thought that was an awesome performance by Aldridge and wanted to give him a little respect here. Yeah, on the podcast. I mean, I feel like Lamarcus Aldridge has not lived up to what he was expected to be. He's still been a good player, but like he hasn't lived up to that hype of like, oh my god, he's the next great big man. And to be put in conversation with Shaq, that that's pretty good. Shaq's <laughs> Shaq's a he's a top three big man. I mean, yeah, I mean, at Absolutely. least at least top five big man of all time. So right. So yeah, be conversation with Shaq is a good is a good way to go. Yes, yeah, it's very good. So uh, yeah, shout out to Lamarcus. Uh, the final one is my boy from the Utah Jazz, Spider, aka Donovan Mitchell. On uh, a win against the Bulls, this was on Saturday the twelfth. He had thirty four points, six rebounds, six assists. That was his third straight thirty point game. Now he did break the streak on Monday. He had twenty eight points. <laughs> You know, just round just, up, give him just, 30. just missed it. But uh, he has played at a really high level over the last few weeks. And Rudy Gobert as well. Obviously, I mentioned him, um, I think, last week on Daddy's Favorites. Uh, he had another huge 20 plus rebound game the other night. Uh, Jazz are playing really well right now. Uh, Donovan's been playing well. It's been fun. I actually, uh, for those who don't know, I featured on a podcast this week uh, called Jazz Amplified. It is based here in Salt Lake. It is a Utah Jazz podcast. And your boy was on it talking about these Utah Jazz and talking about Donovan Mitchell. So if you want to hear my conversation uh, with Jazz Amplified, you can check that out. They're on Apple Podcasts. They're on Spotify. They're on everywhere we are. So if you are a Utah Jazz fan or you just want to hear me talk about more stuff, <laughs> you can you can check that pot out. Yeah. What what a talent. What a talent Donovan Mitchell He's is. a stud. He's a stud. I love him, Oh, man. my gosh. He's great. He's great. So deserves all the recognition, and he's really playing at a pretty high level, and it's been it's been fun to witness. So shout out to, to Donovan. Uh, and that is... That is it, folks, for Daddy's Favorites. That was the worst one you've ever done. That was... I felt it. I felt it. That was bad. I felt it. I got, the, I got like, goosebumps because it was so <laughs> creepy. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm, I'm calling the cops. I'm okay. calling the cops. No, okay, now, now, okay, all right, now we're getting a little extreme. <laughs> okay, okay, we might be good. <laughs> um, do you want to do you want to mention the last little bit of news we have? Yeah, I, I, and something fun that we uh, 
we put on the notes last minute. Um, Jalen Hurts, formerly of the University of Alabama, was a quarterback. He was replaced by Tua Tagovailoa. Um, this last, well, actually in the national championship game last year and then for the duration of this year. Um, he has decided to transfer to the University of Oklahoma. Um, the implications behind this. One, this is a great football team getting a pretty good quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Um, not your prototypical guy, right? Doesn't Not known for throwing the ball. He's usually kind of a triple threat option run the ball type quarterback. Um, but Oklahoma's a very good team. And if you were paying attention, Oklahoma was the four seed in the college football playoffs this year. This is a team that could be playing Alabama. It's a very likely possibility that they're playing Alabama in the college football national championship game next year. So Dallin, um, supporting this transfer, um, are you excited to see what happens after this transfer and what do you think how do you think this is going to affect both schools uh well listen i mean for jalen hurts this is probably the ideal situation as a transfer i mean i feel bad for the kid i mean he leads a team to the national championship and has a very bad first half in which he gets benched for the freshman quarterback who comes in and brings your team back and, and gets the victory in the national championship. And you got to be happy you won. You're happy for the guy. But then you get benched for him throughout this whole season. You come in when he's injured and you win the SEC championship game. And then Tua leads them through the college football playoffs to ultimately lose to Clemson. He's not the guy there. He has to move on. And he gets to go to Oklahoma where they have produced the last two Heisman winning quarterbacks in Baker yeah. Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And so obviously you feel great about that. You feel great about uh, your chances to get back to a college football playoff and the implication that we could be seeing Jalen Hurts play against his former team in Alabama in the college football playoff next year is really fun. So <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for this. Not just the last two Heisman winning quarterbacks, the last two Heisman winners right. have both yeah. been Oklahoma quarterbacks. Now, I mean, so that's if, good if, he, if he has a, I mean, <laughs> if I'm seeing a trend here, Jalen, Bubba, you're set up to win a Heisman. If you go out, <laughs> if you go out there and play your balls off and go out there and win games, you might be in Heisman consideration. Right. I, I would say he's got to be a better passer, though. He's got to be a better. He's got to be better at throwing the football. We all well, know what yeah. his legs can do. But well, Oklahoma is going to make him do that because that is the offense. It's, it is it, a lot of throwing. It's a, a pro, lot it's of a pro, <laughs> It's a pro style offense. Yeah, over and, at Oklahoma. And, and, and we've yes. been talking about Lincoln Riley, you know, being as a potential NFL coach over the last month, and here he is in Oklahoma, being able to work with Jalen Hurts, and we've seen what he's done with these other two quarterbacks. And like I said, an ideal, not ideal, because he has to transfer and loses the starting job to a freshman. But if he had to transfer anywhere in the country, this is probably the perfect spot. So I, I expect a lot of success for him next season. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I expect him to lead this team back into that top four. Yeah, absolutely. The, the college football playoffs. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. So, and I don't think that's too lofty for him. I don't No. No, he, I mean, he's been, he, he's gotten Alabama to the, cha- the the national championship. So, right. kid can win. He has that experience. I think this is great for Oklahoma and uh, great for him. So, yeah, and that is that is all the news, guys. That is Las Noticias. 
wrapped up. And uh, this week, though, Mitch, Mitch is back, back in black. Hell's bells. Uh, Woo! He he is he he he's gonna shake you all night long. Oh, and uh, he's got a top five, don't you, Mitch? I do. Hey, so check this out. We're in we're in the playoffs right now, and we're in a situation where four pretty good quarterbacks are playing in the playoffs right now, right? I mean, there's four. There's Jared Goff. There's Pat Mahomes, two young guys, a lot of talent. Then we got the two wily veterans, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, playing. It got me thinking. I wonder who the worst quarterback is to ever play in the Super Bowl. Oh. So that's why on this week's edition of Mitch Moe's Top 5 List of the Week, we are doing the top five worst Super Bowl quarterbacks of all time. I love this. All time. I am very excited. I'm trying to even think of any person off the top of my head. I'm I'm curious to hear your list, and then I'm I'm gonna try to think back of who who I can even think of. So, well, okay, so we're gonna start off with our honorable mentions. First one right. is Tony Eason. Um, Tony Eason was a quarterback for the New England Patriots. Um, he played from the years 1983 to 1990. Um, he made the Super Bowl with Super Bowl 20 with the New England Patriots. Um, uh, that, by the way, was the Super Bowl against the 85 Bears, the greatest uh-huh. defense of all time. Um, if you want to sit through the numbers here, let me give you the numbers. Uh, he went 0 for 6 passing with zero yards. <laughs> Wait, really? He was sacked seven <laughs> times. And could the Patriots offense could only muster 123 yards from scrimmage. So... Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put Tony Eason on the list because the team he faced was happened to be the greatest defense. Of him. Yeah. Um, but I digress and move on to number or the other model mention on here, Doug Williams, um, which by the way was the first African American quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Um, but. Overall career not that great. His career stats: he has a thirty-eight, forty-two, and one career record as a starting quarterback. Um, Hundred touchdowns and ninety-three interceptions. Um, but a journeyman that went got drafted to the NFL by the Buccaneers, was cut, went to the USFL when that was a thing, uh, and then came back to the NFL um, to the to the Washington Redskins to replace an injured. Jay Schroeder, um, and led his Washington Redskins in a victory in Super Bowl twenty two over the Denver Broncos, forty two to ten. So, um, you can't knock him for that because he actually won the thing. So, right, um, which we that have helps. a we I mean we have a Super Bowl winner on my list, so I can't I can't really say that all that confidently. But um, right. okay. Nope. And the other honorable mention is going to be Stan Humphreys, a guy that I've actually never heard of until today. Yeah. <laughs> never heard of him either. Yeah, Stan Humphreys. Uh, he played from 1989 to 1997 with the Redskins and the San Diego Chargers. Um, 
he had a 50 and 31 career record, uh, 89 touchdowns and 84 interceptions. Uh, he took the Chargers to the Super Bowl, and that would be 96. No, 94. When they played the San Francisco 49ers, that would be the Steve Young era. So, mm. um, lost that game 49-26. So can't knock him for that. Playing one of the greatest franchise, or one of the greatest uh, dynasties in in football. Yeah. Um, but number five on my list. Let's get into this list. Um, we're gonna start with Vince Ferragamo. Uh, he was a quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, Buffalo Bills, and Green Bay Packers. Uh, had a career record of twenty-seven and twenty-six through seventy-six touchdowns and ninety-one interceptions in his career. Um, he started for the Rams in the nineteen seventy-nine Super Bowl fourteen. Um, and had his Rams in front for three quarters. He could have won a Super Bowl. Um, but the Steelers rallying back to win that Super Bowl um, and win a 31-19 fashion, um, leaving Vince Ferragamo with his 45 minutes of fame, literally. Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Vince Ferragamo, uh, number five on the list. Number four. On this list is David Woodley. Never again. Never heard of this guy before. Uh, this yeah. was during the strike-shortened season of 1982 that David Woodley was at the helm, but under center of the Miami Dolphins, uh, who made the Super Bowl. Um, Woodley was the youngest quarterback in history at that time to start. Or and he still is actually. Excuse me, he still is how, the youngest quarterback in history to start a Super Bowl. No, oh, how old was he? Uh, does not say. Oh, well, I bet you if Mahomes wins this weekend, he's definitely gotta gotta be the youngest. I mean, I, I unless yeah. kid, unless that dude was like a second year guy, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, he actually was eighty, so he started playing in eighty. This was eighty two. So oh. It might be close. Yeah. I'm interested. To, we'll find out. Which I guess. would have been 80, 81, yeah. 81, 82. So he would have been a second year guy. Um, started off hot in the game, uh, wound up going 8 0 for 8 in the second half, and the Dolphins lost 27 17 to the Washington Redskins in that Super Bowl. So there is uh, David Woodley. Number Ooh. three on my list, Joe Cap. Ne- Again, who the hell are is Joe sure Cap? Are you sure these are real? Are you <laughs> just <kidding>. Joe Cap <laughs> played a total of three seasons in the NFL and played in the Super Bowl. He played wow. from 1967 to 1970 for the Minnesota Vikings and the then Boston Patriots. Played for three seasons and yet as a starter had a winning record of 24 and 21 and 3. Three ties in 3 years. Can you believe that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um He's the only quarterback to play in the Super Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Grey Cup, which the Grey Cup is the basically the Super Bowl of the Canadian Football League. Wow! So he's the only guy to ever do that. Um, they he managed he led the '69 Vikings to the big game. They lost the Chiefs. That would have been Super Bowl three or four. Um, they lost the Chiefs twenty three seventeen. Cap was pretty bad. Didn't get a contract after that season um, and wound up going to the CFL where he would win a Grey Cup or, um, or play, play in the Grey Cup. So yeah. Joe Cap, number three on the list. I mean, <laughs> and I think what kept him from number one or two 
Because, I mean, his interception and touchdown ratio is pretty bad. 40 touchdowns, 64 interceptions. Mm. Pretty bad. But, but he didn't have the winning record. But, it, yeah, and then what he did after the Super Bowl, that success, I guess kept him off that list. Uh, number two, and this one hits home for me in a big way. Uh, number th- number two on this list is Rex Grossman. Okay, yeah, this is the this is the first name that I thought of when you brought up this list. Rex Grossman, um, and he could have very easily been number one. Um, number one, I think I I'm giving it to him because he actually won the Super Bowl, so I'm gonna give it to him. <laughs> um, and and so. Rex Grossman uh, played for the Chicago Bears, the Houston Texans, the Washington Redskins. He played from tw- 2003 and think he retired two years ago, 2016. That would have been three years ago now. Um, he is the poster boy of mediocre quarterbacks, folks. Um, 25-22 record, 56 touchdowns, 60 interceptions, a little over 10,000 yards passing and a 71.4 QBR. That's pretty mediocre, if you ask yeah, me. yeah. Um, we all, so Dallin, fun fact, the last Super Bowl we watched together, Rex Grossman was playing in it. Oh yeah. Bears Colts. Bears Colts 2007, um, which was Super Bowl 41, uh, where again, a strong Bears defense. That's their MO throughout their entire franchise career and, uh, or franchise. So, uh, did not play well against that Colts team. And they wound up losing that game. Um, in less than 50 starts, he had a thousand completions and more interceptions than touchdowns. Ooh. So I just want to throw that out there. That's <laughs> that's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and he's got a horrible last name. He, like what? A, what a shame. Gross. Gross man. man. He's, he's a gross man. He's gross. But number one <laughs> and the only Super Bowl winner on this team is Trent Dilfer. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. 2000 Ravens. Originally with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, came to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Trent. Played great with the Baltimore Ravens in 2000, right? I think Tony Banks was supposed to be the starting quarterback that year. Banks got hurt or was struggling. I can't remember exactly what it was. He got, I think he was struggling, and they just plugged Dilfer in. And Dilfer lit it up. By the way, a top five pick in his draft. Nin- oh. 1994 draft, he was a top five pick. And this guy wound up being a career backup, but won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens in 2000 with that with that legendary defense. Um, he was lucky, lucky enough to be Baltimore's quarterback in their Super Bowl victory over the New York Giants. Um, he, he started actually the game off with a 38-yard touchdown to Brandon Stokely. So... That defense did the rest of the game. They won 34-7 um, against the New York Giants at that time. So I think they're no. – I don't even know who their quarterback was at that time, the Giants quarterback. The Giants? I'm not sure. With 2000? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's not hitting it. But anyway, Trent Dilfer, the only reason you're number one is because you won it. I could, <laughs> I could flip you and Rex Grossman very easily. But those are my yeah. top five worst Super Bowl quarterbacks. That's that's great. Those those are some the Grossman is the one I thought of. I didn't even think about Dilfer, but that's a solid one. You know, I will say and and he wasn't terrible. He wasn't terrible, but Jake DeLome Jake was DeLome. not a very good Super Bowl quarterback. And I say that as a Panthers fan, as a fan who at one point owned a Jake DeLome jersey. Yeah, <laughs> as a Jake child. DeLome. 
but um, was you know never really that well, he- good. Here's another one, Brad Johnson. I don't know if you remember oh, Brad Johnson yeah, yeah, with for the Tampa, Tampa Bay uh-huh. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Here's another one, Kerry Collins. That's who it is. Kerry Collins. Oh, that was the Giants. Yes. That was the yeah, Giants quarterback yeah. in 2000. Yep. Kerry Collins. That's another good one. Um, there's so many in our, and especially in our lifetime. I think we went through an right. era where we had mediocre quarterbacks holding down franchises. And like the 2000s. Because if you look at like, 2010 on, it's been Brady, superstars. Wilson, Rogers, you know, whatever. But Here's another uh, one I might you might have forgot about. Drew Bledsoe. Mm, right. I mean, yeah. That when he was with the Patriots, very good. Went to the Bills and was holding down basically a eight and eight team. I mean, right. right. So, well, and I mean, we look at guys like you know Colin Kaepernick, who played a few short seasons and, and is not playing anymore. Like when we look back on that, you know, that's a guy who led a team to the Super Bowl that we might look back and be like, oh, I don't really, you know, career wise, doesn't stack up against a lot of guys. And uh, Nick Foles. From last Nick year, Foles? I mean, depending on you know if he ever can get it going as a starter, then yeah, we're looking at a Trent Dilfer here, a guy it, exactly. who just came out of nowhere, won a Super Bowl as a backup, you know, and that was about it. A guy that so. probably could start in other places, but never did. I mean, right? Dilfer was so. a good quarterback. Like I'm not knocking right. him here; he was a right, good quarterback. Of course. But yeah, he's got to make the top of my list because he actually won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he, so. yeah, he actually won it. So <laughs> there you go. Thanks for that, Mitch. That was a great list. Yeah. That was, that was very solid. Fun to think about. And this year, like you said, we are going to, you know, we're going to be getting some good quarterbacks. Uh, we are. We're going to get some, some very good quarterbacks. Dude, uh, I, it's going to be either two old guys, two young guys, or an old guy and a young guy. That's yeah. What, that's what yeah. we got. Which would, uh, which would be a lot of interesting combinations I mean, there. that's that's all the combinations, actually, now yeah. that I think about it. Yeah, so. that's it. That's it. No, you know, guys! But... <laughs> We've done the news. We've done our top five list of the week. We've done daddy's favorites. Let's take a break really quick. When we come back, we are going to do the NBA midseason review. How do we talk? What, what's, what's the outlook of the NBA right now? How did we fare in our preseason predictions? What can we expect moving forward? We're also going to go look at the divisional games, recap those, and we're going to look forward into our conference championship games. So, guys, stick around, and I promise we'll be right back. Thank you guys for listening to the Sports Hour today. Be sure, if you haven't already, to follow our socials. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Hour Guys, Instagram at The Sports Hour Guys, and you can like our Facebook page. Be sure to follow those socials. Interact with us. We want to hear from you. Now back to the show. Guys, welcome back. Guys and gals, welcome back. See, I told you we'd be back. I promised you. Here we are. We're back. Guys, a quick announcement before we get going into our NBA midseason recap, preview, whatever you... What do you call it? Really, at this all point? of the uh, this is a midseason review. It's a midseason review. Before we get into that, we just want to uh, tell you guys, our friend Alex Sonry is hosting our Super Bowl party this year, and you know we were going to shave my head on February second, the day before the Super Bowl. Tune in at noon Pacific time for the Super Bowl party, Super Bowl pregame show on Instagram, Instagram Live. At the Sports Hour, guys, we're going to do our pregame stuff. 
we are also going to shave my head at that point. So that is when we will shave my head is at the Super Bowl party so I can have a lot of public humiliation at that yes, point. Yes, in front of a bunch of people and on Instagram Live. So it'll be yeah. great. It's, guys, this is, this is the event of the year. This is what the people are looking forward to. You don't want to miss it. So stay tuned on February 3rd. February 3rd. For the, the, the shaving of Mitch Moe's dome. Yeah. It'll be, you could say it's the opening of the Mitch Moe dome. <laughs> it sounds Mitch like a, it sounds like a stadium, right? The it Mitch did, Mo it dome? did. The Mitch Moe dome. Yeah. <laughs> it's the opening of it. Oh, oh boy. It. That's great. That's great. But yes, guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Be sure the countdown has begun, guys. We only has, got, we got two like more two wor- weeks. Two weeks. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so Mitch much is going to look super funny bald, so it'll work out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, hey. All right. <laughs> awkward transition. Let's get on track here, Dallin. Come on. Yeah, Come on, buddy. Let's get on we track. need to be on the same page. Guys, Woo! we are at off. halfway of the NBA season, and we want to talk about where we thought – certain teams would be where they're at now and where we'll think they'll be at the end of the year. So yep. Dallin kick us off. Let's go to the East first because I right. think the East is a, a much easier conversation to have. Yep, exactly. So Mitch and I both have our preseason predictions and we're going to take a look at this. Let's go uh, team by team here, real brief. So top of the East, we have Toronto. They are 33-12. and 12. They have the best record in the NBA and the best record in the East. Uh, they have pretty much been the best team. Them and the Bucks have been pretty much up there in the East. I had Toronto as a number two seed this year. Mitch, you had them at? A number two seed. I did. Okay, so we both had them at two. They're sitting at number one. Um, I am surprised at how well they have played. They're a very solid unit. Uh, obviously, I had them at two. Um, and a, the biggest question mark was Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi has played uh, like Kawhi has played in the past. He's been great. And so this team is dangerous. It's deep. It is well coached. Uh, and this is going to be one of the best teams coming out of the East this year. But I'm not surprised at where they're at. I don't think you are either. I'm not. And I think because we had joked, I think, about – Kawhi, like, oh, I got traded to the Raptors? Like, what the hell? Right. He might have found a home there. I mean, he's playing well enough, and if they're successful enough, why wouldn't you stay there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they go to an Easter Conference Finals this year and you look at the East and you say, okay, well, we can compete with Milwaukee, we compete with Boston, with Philly, with Indiana, okay, yeah. Why why would you want to go West to the Clippers? Like, how is that going to be a better situation than when you found yourself in in, your, in Toronto? So I right. I think you're absolutely right. This is what Toronto needed to do this year to convince Kawhi Leonard to come back with them. And so far, so good. Now, they have to have playoff success, and that is, you know, remains to be seen. But uh, so far, it is looking good for Toronto and pretty much where we expected them to be. Just slightly above what we expected them to be. Yeah. Just barely. Just barely. So, yeah. Oh, uh, number two. Right now, sitting number two in the Eastern Conference is the Milwaukee Bucks. They're sitting at a 31-12 and 12 record. Um, I had them at the number four seed. 
Um, Dallin, you had them at a... Five. I had them at five, at and five. I said that three would be the highest I could see them at. And here they are at two. And, yeah, I, th- I think really two, and I think they could compete for that number one seed right now. I think this team is so good. And Giannis is really developing into the best player in the NBA. If he, Like Absolutely. we said, if, we, if he can learn to shoot an outside shot beyond the arc, mid-range to deep, he's the best player in the NBA. The Bucks are for real. I really think that this team winds up in a one or a two seed. We were wrong. We were wrong. I mean, yeah, we, we weren't. We, were, we weren't off that by that much. We but, were conservative, and I think yeah. that's fair because that's they fair, were. Though. You know, they they had a new head coach in Budenholzer, yeah, and they had a lot of success last year. But you know, one player I pointed out was Chris Middleton. What he was a great second option to Giannis last year, and I wondered whether he could continue that, and he has continued that at an All Star level this season. Uh, Brooke Lopez has decided to start shooting threes with something he's never done in his career, and he's doing it fantastically. Uh, and this team is just, like, really well coached, a lot of good pieces, a lot of uh, good players on that team, and, and they're playing great. They have the highest point differential in the entire NBA, and it's not even close. They are at a plus 10 point differential, and the next closest team is a point six, or sorry, 6.0. They're a 10.0, so they're four points ahead. They're averaging 117 points a game and only giving up 107, so this team is just, it is solid. It is a solid unit, and uh, they're going to have some tough tests in the playoffs, so again, kind of like Toronto, they're going to have to prove it come playoff time, but so far, so good for Milwaukee. See, and it's, for me, 107 is not that impressive offering that up. It's the well, it's, look, it's it's the I, av- it's the I, averaging 117 a game that's really know, impressive to me. Here's the thing about 107 though. Uh number 1 team in defense in the NBA is Memphis at 102.9. Uh second is the Utah Jazz with 105. And then it jumps to Boston, Miami, and then to Milwaukee at 107. I, Milwaukee or So they're they're top 10 in in defense. At 107, this is just how the NBA is. You know, NBA teams give up a lot of points nowadays. Uh, So that is a top 10 defense alongside a top 10 offense. Sure. Number one in the East. So... Yeah, I mean it's it, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Okay, but they're they're definitely performing. They have well to and- get better. Well, and they have to get better on the road. They're 20 and four at home, and they're 11 and eight on the road. They have to get better on the road. Yeah, that's that's really the only criticism I have for him. So, yeah, no, and we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on them in the second half. So third seed right now is the Indiana Pacers. I had them as the number three seed, and I said they were extremely slept on. They are proving me absolutely right. Mitch, where did you have them? I had them at the five. So, okay, right. uh, so I was kind of in reverse order. The way you thought about the Bucks, I thought about the Pacers. I was kind of right. maybe sleeping on them just a little bit. So, um, I had I had the Pacers at number five. Yeah, and, and you know, this is a team that I thought had a lot of depth, uh, was returning a lot of good players, and they've played pretty well. I mean, obviously enough to be the third seed in the East. Uh, you know, have uh, .674 is their winning percentage is pretty dang good. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis was the player I said to look at this year, and he's had himself a hell of a season. Has really developed himself as a young player. Um, has been a solid piece for them offensively and defensively so this team's performing at a high level and right about you know we had the top five te- teams the same 
in our rankings. And they're the same five teams in the Eastern Conference rankings right now. We had them in slightly different orders on some of them, but we had those same five teams, and those same five teams have all risen above the rest of the conference and established themselves as the best five. And that was, like I said, something we saw ahead of the season. I think it was pretty clear uh, who the best five teams would be. It's everything after that that gets a little tricky, which we'll get into. Uh, but, you know, pretty pretty easy here. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and the four seed right now we have the 76ers um, at a 29-16 record. I had them at the three seed by the end of the season. Then, Dallin, you had them at? Four. I had them at the four. All right. You're spot on so far. So yeah. far. We got a whole well, other half for, of ba- Except for Toronto. I didn't have Toronto. I, I had well, I meant, with the six, yeah. I meant with the Sixers. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, we obviously didn't see the Jimmy Butler trade happening. I didn't predict that out. Um, we'll see how that goes in the second half of them. Uh, you know, we got the question mark around Markel Fultz. Do they end up trading him? Does he stick around? There's a lot of question marks about this team. Uh, I, I don't feel super confident about the Sixers, but they're getting it done in a weak Eastern Conference, and they'll be one of the top five seeds. Why? Why don't you feel confident about them? Uh, I, you know, I don't know about the fit with Butler yet. There has been some turmoil already in the in the short time he's been there. Um. I like it all on paper. How does it mesh in the playoffs? I don't know. And they lost a lot of depth by trading away Saric and Covington, uh, who are both solid, you know, bench type players for them, role players. And so come playoff time, it might get a little interesting. Um, I just feel more confident about the other four teams than I do Philly, basically. The only reason I, I, like, I still think they're a serious contender in the East is, and you had said, you'd, you've heard some things about Jimmy Butler and how well it's working out actually there in Philadelphia. Um, it came out later that the Boston Celtics, after they won an NBA finals, him, them and Ray Allen and Rajon Rondo and Kevin Garnett didn't all get along. Came out later that Shaq and Kobe really didn't get along all that well. And so like, and those teams won championships. So I'm skeptical when I hear those type of things like, well, you know, in the locker room, they're really not that great of a presence or like, I'm skeptical to hear those things like, well, yeah, we've heard that in the past and guys have still won. And so, and I think there's enough talent on the 76ers for them to do that. Um, Obviously they're only four games back of the Raptors, which is a very achievable thing to do is to surpass them. But I'm just skeptical when I hear those things because I'm like, yeah, we've heard that before, and then guys have gone and won an NBA championship. So Yeah, it can work. It can work. Um, but obviously, Jimmy Butler didn't work out in Chicago, didn't work out in Minnesota. So that it, it just kind of worries me a little bit. It worries me a little bit, but there's enough talent on that team to win. It's just a matter of uh, you know putting it all together and and you know playing as a team to win. And we'll we'll find that out in the second half and then obviously in the playoffs. Um, but let's move on to the, the, the last good team in the East, the Boston Celtics. Uh, we both had them at the number one seed and so far it has not been that good for them. They are the five seed, uh, 25 and 18, uh, still, you know, above 500, still playing decent, but not playing at that level. We thought, uh, is this disappointing or is this just, uh, what is this? It's a little disappointing. I, I would say it's disappointing. And I'm going to put Terry Rozier on blast here. He just came out the other day and said that his that their team, the Celtics team, is too talented. You're too talented? Why the hell are you the five seed? 
Don't open your mouth and say your team is too talented when you're not the one seed. Don't say that. If there's guys that have that had total right to say that, that's Steph Curry, that's Klay Thompson, that's Draymond Green. They didn't say that. They got the one seed. Terry Rozier, keep your mouth shut. Do not say your team is too talented when you're sitting at the five seed. You're in striking distance of the Miami Heat? Miami is not even close to as talented as a team as you. And they're still right there. Don't say your team is too talented. I understand you got Kyrie. You you got Gordon Hayward. You have Jason Tatum. You got all those guys. I get that. But, dude, don't open your mouth like that. You just sound stupid. And this is a guy I respected. But you sound stupid when you say something like that. You are not too talented. You are under-talented. You are not the one seed. You are the five seed. And you are playing like a five seed. You have lost your last three games. You were under 500 on the road. Do not say that your team is under 500. That is absolutely absurd. Yeah, no, I totally feel you. Sorry, I, mean, I had to not... chew I had to chew him out there for a second because that absolutely blew my mind when he said we're too talented. Get out of yeah. here. Well, clearly it's not working Ridiculous. if you are cuz yeah, like you said they're the 5th seed, they've won 25 games, having a good season but not like you said where anybody expected them to be and they have a lot of figuring out to do. They're under uh, 500 the on the road. They've lost their last 3 games. They're 5 and 5 in their last 10. How are you too talented? If you're so talented, go somewhere else. We don't need you here because obviously you can't compete here. There are four teams way better than you. In fact, three games better than you right now. At least. Sorry, rant over. Yep, yep. Rant no. over. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I am 100% on board Get with you. Get a brain, Rosier. <laughs> All right, um, let's look at these next three teams together. So the final three seeds as of right now at the playoffs were today. Uh, Miami sitting at 21 and 21, a 500 record at the six. Boston, or sorry, Brooklyn, 22 and 23, just a game back of 500 at the seven. And Charlotte, three games back of 500 at the eight. Um, I had none of these teams in the playoffs um... going into the season. Yes, I'm with you. I had none of those guys. I had to look. I was like, wait a minute. Yep, nope, yeah. I had none of those teams. I had, respectively, Miami 9, Charlotte 10, Brooklyn 11, and here they are at uh, 7 or 6, 7, yeah, and 8. I had so, Mi- Miami 9, Charlotte 10, and Brooklyn at 12. So. Right. So, are, is you know, obviously, I mean, Brooklyn and Charlotte both under 500, so it's not like, you know, they're doing anything crazy. Uh, I don't feel like any of this is surprising. It'll just be interesting to see – you know, after those top five teams, who steps it up to solidify a spot? Miami being at 500 helps. But, you know, we talked about Dennis Smith Jr. If Orlando gets him, who's sitting at nine right now, does that help? What does Detroit do, who's sitting at 10, who we both had, I believe, at six? Am I right? Yeah, I'm at six. So they're obviously underperforming, at, you know, being at number 10 right now. But they're a team that's only three games back of Miami. 
So, you know, things are still close, and we'll see what kind of moves these fringe playoff teams make over the second half to push them um, into a more solid playoff spot. Well, I, I mean, like you said, the biggest disappointment, I think, is the Chicago Bulls. Like, that was a, that mm, yeah. was a team I had them at 7, and they're 14th right now, 10-34. and 34. I mean, this team is not making the playoffs. They're just, no, it's terrible. They're just they're, not. They're, so like, they're gunning for Zion Williamson. That's what they're doing. They're trying to get the number one and, pick. And why not? Why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, and this is, you know, and we both saw just a lot of young talent on this team uh, and a lot of potential to to be, you know, a 39 and 41 or 43 team and make the playoffs as an eight or seven. Yeah. Uh, but obviously well underperforming. Uh, I had the Wizards as the seven seed. And they are right now at like 11, 18 and 26 uh, without John Wall for the rest of the season. This isn't a playoff team either. Uh, the Wall injury hurts, but they also started off really bad. Did You You had the Wizards in there too, right? I had the Wizards eight, barely yeah. getting in over Miami. Right. So. so, okay, so going forward, we're counting the top five teams, Toronto, Milwaukee, Indiana, Philly, Boston, in. We can probably count Miami in, six. So... Those last two spots, we're looking at Brooklyn, Charlotte, Orlando, Detroit. Probably those four teams. Who are, if you had to put money on it today, out of those four teams, who are the two that are making the playoffs? I'm probably going Hornets, maybe seven. And I honestly believe if the Magic get Dennis Smith Jr., they're getting it at the eight. Okay. Okay. That would definitely help, you know. Uh, that that would definitely help their chances. <laughs> but so, but let's say they don't. Let's say they don't. I'm taking the Pistons. I'm taking the Pistons. Right. Well, I think you know. You look at like Blake Griffin. There's enough talent between him and Kemba Walker that kind of carry their teams into a low playoff spot. If I had to put money on it today, I'd go Detroit making the playoffs and Brooklyn because I really like what I'm seeing from this Brooklyn team. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie has had a really good season. D'Angelo Russell had a really good season. Jarrett Allen has a really good season. Uh, a lot of these young players stepping it up. I mean, they're 22 and 23, so not great, but currently the seven seed uh, and not playing terrible. And I could see this team kind of sneaking in as a seven or eight seed, which would be great for the franchise and great for these young players. So yeah, I you know I'm I, I would say Detroit, Brooklyn. But Charlotte is definitely going to be hanging around with Kemba Walker. And Orlando, if they do make a move, especially for Dennis Smith Jr., I can see that pushing them over the edge. Absolutely. Yep. So. 100% agree. So before we move on to the West, I just want to point out, mostly to your wife, who was so big on the Cavaliers, how bad, how bid, how bad the Cavs are. I had them at 14, and I was being nice. When I put them at 14. They are the worst team in the East at 9-35. and 35. Really, I just wanted to point that out so that I could be I could be mean to your wife. That's all I wanted. To yeah, you know, she she likes the Cavs, but she hates Kevin Love, and she'll stand by that till the day she dies. When that's all that all that they have, really. I and mean, he's been injured all year, and that's part of why they've won nine games. But yeah, not a good team. You know, we both had the Orlando Magic as the worst team in the East. Yes. And they're actually sitting at number nine right now. So they're, they're doing better than, and if they get Dennis Smith, they're going to make that push. So yeah, absolutely. So, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to the Western conference. 
the Western, aka the Western Conference. Um, that was stupid. Sorry, guys. Uh, so preseason, Mitch and I both had Golden State Warriors as the number one. Uh, and here they are after a big win against Denver last night. They are the number one seed. Uh, 30 wins. And uh, yeah, right about where they, they are. We found out from Mr. Money Green 23 on Instagram, Draymond Green himself, that DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie, will be playing on Friday. And now it looks even more and more inevitable that the Warriors are just going to do what they've done the last, what has it been, 20 years? 20 straight finals or something? That's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the best team in the NBA still. I mean, regardless of record. Um, I know they have, what, the third best record in the NBA, but this is still the best team in the NBA. So, um, yeah, they're doing they're doing what they do every year. They, they're doing what the trend is right now, and uh, I don't expect them to do anything different for this second half. Yep. If, if anything, it'll get better. And that's a scary thought for the rest of the NBA. Yeah, it should be. It should be. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that's about where we're at with the Warriors. So let's talk about the – this is – if we're going to be honest, this is probably the biggest surprise of the NBA season so far, as far as an individual team, and that's the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver was looked at as an up-and-coming team, but they were the number one seed in the West for most of this first half. They've been very dominant – very, very good. Uh, I had them as the number five seed, but did stress a lot and up a lot of upside for them. Mitch, where did you have them at? I had them at seven. So wow. I had so, them. I had them yeah. at the bottom of the playoff teams, and they have really outperformed. Now, let me go back. They're eighteen and four at home. They have played fantastic at home. They're eleven and ten on the road. Now they've won seven to three in their last ten, and uh, you know it's they're they're playing well. But I mean, really, they do struggle when they're not in their home stadium. So, um, I I'm not saying that they're not capable of a two seed. I think they are. Um, obviously, they've showed that, but they have a lot more road games here in this next second half, and so it wouldn't surprise me if they're down in the three, four, or five seed. Yeah, you know, I will say, though, uh, to their defense, there are only seven teams in the whole NBA that have a 500 or better record on the road, and they are one sure. of them. Yeah. So as as great as, as not great as 11 and 10 on the road is, uh, it is great when you compare them to the rest of the NBA. So they do at least have that going on. They, they have that going for them. But ideally, when you get into a playoff situation, you have to win road games. I mean, and, so, and, and you know. probably the best example is that you look at the Spurs, who are in the seventh seed right now, and they're 18-6 and six at home, but they're 7-14 and 14 on the road. Right, so, really bad, really bad on the road. So, so. yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's very true. So, yeah, Denver Denver been a big surprise. Nikola Jokic, you know, we talked about him going into the season, a guy we were definitely looking at, and he has uh, performed – beautifully a, like, a, like a season swan. a seasoned veteran too at that so yeah, yeah he's done very so, well yeah shout out to denver uh number number three team is the oklahoma city thunder uh this is uh, pretty close to where we had i had them at four where did you have them at? i Mitch? had them at four as well okay so just a little a hair up from where uh we had them but this has been 
a pretty good team. What are, what are your thoughts on, on on Oklahoma City? Yeah, I they're they're about where I thought they would be. Um, they're only a game up over the Rockets. So I mean, not a whole lot to say here. They're about where I thought they would be, and I think that's where they'll end up at the end of the year. Is about three or four. I mean, yeah. I mean, Paul George is having a career year right now. He is he is playing absolutely out of his mind defensively and offensively, and that has definitely helped this team. Uh, so you do have to look at whether he can keep that up over the second half of the season, and if he doesn't, how that will affect them. I could see them flighting to four, five, maybe even six because the West is tight. Uh, but this is a good team and a solid team at that. And the biggest question I had going into the season was, could they get past the first round? And it is yet to be seen. We'll still have to figure that out. But they're kind of in the spot we thought they'd be. Yeah. So number four right now in the West is the Houston Rockets, who have rebounded very well from the beginning of their season. Um, I originally had them as a two seed. Yeah, so did I, I. I don't know. Yeah, and they they really underperformed in the first quarter of the season. Um, obviously, they have played very, very well in their last um, the the second quarter of the year, if you will, uh-huh. um, at sixteen and six, nine and twelve on the road, but seven and three in their last ten. Um, are we? Is this where we expect them really to be? Is this maybe their middle of the road type Western Conference team right now? Yeah. Well, you know, here here's the two things I will say. Uh, the biggest, the player I was looking at going into the season was Chris Paul and his health and when his decline would be. He only played 58 games last year and he has missed quite a bit of time this year. And that is not ideal. But James Harden has played out of his mind over the last 10 games and has really carried this team. The issue with that is the fact that James Harden can't keep that going. And, and, And let's say he does for the whole regular season. You know, winning a playoff series with just one player is not going to happen, especially if they're a four seed playing a very talented five seed or even as a three seed who's going to be playing a very good six seed. Like they're not they're not going to get a cakewalk in the first round and James Harden isn't going to be able to carry them through the playoffs. And so they have to figure out something else from the rest of this team and another guy to relieve pressure off of him and make it so James Harden doesn't have to average 36 points a game for them to win. Uh, and that's the issue I have with Houston right now is they're just relying too much on on Harden and it's not sustainable. Yeah. Yep. That it, it it isn't. And you you when you get a guy a playmaker like Chris Paul, like you you likened Lonzo Ball as a as a uh, playmaker because he creates plays. Not necessarily that he scores the points and and all that stuff, but he creates things around him. Um. I think that Chris Paul has always been one of those guys. And um, when they get him back, I think that he might be a, a more valuable asset to them. Um, obviously, you're more valuable when you're on the court. but Yeah, they need him healthy, and they need him to play at the high level that he did last season when he was healthy. And there's a lot of question marks in there to make me worried, at least. Um, so let's uh let's look at the five seed right now. So as of right now, it would be the Portland Trailblazers at twenty six and nineteen. Uh, I had them at the eight seed. Mitch, where did you have Portland? I had them missing the playoffs at the nine. Okay. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you, Damian Lillard has had an outstanding season for them. I mean, he has really played great. Alfred Kaminu, um, 
Yusuf Nurchik has been very, very well, has played very, very well. Um, so has CJ McCollum. Um, and uh, I mean, they're proving me wrong here. I, I had them at nine. They're sitting at five right now. Uh, not to say that they couldn't be at nine by the end of the year because how strong the West is and how many surprise teams are coming out of the West. So, uh, you know what? They've played well so far. I'm not, I'm taking their five seed right now with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, because I, I, I'm pretty sure this is not a five seed team. Um, I think at best this is a six. So, mm-hmm. um, but I'm putting up, I had him at nine to begin the year and we'll, I mean, we'll see, we'll see where they end up at the end of the year, but right. No, I, I, I'm right with you. I think six to eight is probably where they'll end up. I mean, let, let's give you guys this. So Golden State, Denver at the top of the West. The difference between the three seed right now in Oklahoma City and the 10 seed in Sacramento is three and a half games. Yeah. So that shows you how close the West is, which is how it was last year. Um, and it's going to be a lot of the same. There's going to be a lot of jostling in the middle of this, you know, from three or four seed down throughout the entire rest of the season and we'll see how it all shakes up in the end as far as exact seeding goes but Portland doing enough to keep themselves in this conversation I just don't know if they're a top five team in the west I think I'm with you there yeah so I mean Yusuf Nurchik and Damian Lillard has really been and Nurchik is is the the big man for him I mean 11 rebounds yep. last and their last game against Sacramento uh, which they lost um, which by the way that in mind let's transfer or let's transition over into maybe surprises that we saw in the west sacramento is the biggest surprise for me two games over 500 i had them at 13 i did not think they were going to be sitting here i mean we they were sitting a lot better in those first 20 games of the year but i mean this is a team that can compete with that eight seed really i mean this is yeah. this is a good and we said we said when we previewed the NBA, this is a team with a lot of young talent and that this is a team that, I mean, if everything goes right, they might be hanging around, but we didn't think that they would, that they would be. And no, now, not at all. I had, and now I had they're them here. as the worst team in the West. I had them as 15 like, in the West. Like they were too young. <laughs> you know? They were too young. And they're over 500. I had yeah. them, I had them at 13. So I'm yeah. not, not too far off, but. But I mean, but they're over five hundred. They're over and right now. You know, they're they're half a game out of the eighth seed behind the Lakers. I mean, so yeah. you know, here's what I'll say. I mean, this is this is a team like we said with a lot of young talent, but it hadn't quite been figured out yet. And Buddy Heald has had himself a great season. De'Aaron Fox has had himself a great season. Willie Colley Stein has had himself a great season, and they find themselves above five hundred now. Going into the second half, would I take their playoff chances over the Lakers or the Jazz or Minnesota or New Orleans, all the teams that surround them? No, I would take any of those teams' chances over Sacramento. But what we know now is Sacramento is going to have a much better season than either of us projected. You know, they could probably find themselves at or just underneath 500, and that's a good step in the right direction going into the future as these young players develop. So this success now is great whether they make the playoffs with it or not. You know, I feel like I'm the Skip Bayless sometimes of the show. Like, I just take bad takes. But I'm going to take one right now. The Sacramento Kings will be a playoff team. Really? Ooh. And it's because Ooh, okay. I I think that the Pelicans are underperforming, and I 
feel like they will continue to underperform. That's not a knock against AD, but he's not enough to get that team up there. The Timberwolves don't have the talent. I think they've kept their head above water for as long as they can, and they're going to tread around just under 500. You look at the Jazz. This is a better team than what they are right now. I think they're better than the Clippers, who are in the sixth seed. I think the Clippers drop below 500. The Kings stay above 500. And I'm going to say, and God help me on this one, the Spurs miss the playoffs. And the Kings sneak in as the eighth seed. Okay. You know, I am with you on, I think, the Clippers and the Spurs. Right now, they are 6-7, and seven, respectively. I think both of those teams drop out of the playoff picture. Clippers don't have enough of a top-level talent to stick around and compete with some of these teams moving forward. And I think the Spurs with DeRozan are just not as good as the Spurs with Kawhi. And when you look at the Lakers with LeBron, you look at the Jazz, I am, I am still... Uh, on New Orleans because a, that team is way too talented with Holiday, Miritic, Randall, Davis to not be a playoff team. I think they'll figure stuff out. I think they'll turn it around and maybe they will be the eighth seed. I don't feel confident about Sacramento, but yeah, I'm with you that the Clippers and the Spurs are going to be the two teams that drop well, out of this current well, playoff let's look picture. At the, let's look at the teams all the way down to 14. The Grizzlies yeah, are still mathematically... And not even I, I feel gross saying even mathematically because they are very much in this race. The ones that four games back of eight of the eight seed. The ones that aren't aren't this are the Suns. I mean That's it. That's the only team. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Which goes back to your argument about why we should go to the top sixteen make it. But but I mean, then an argument against this top sixteen. Are the Grizzlies really better than the Sixers? Here's what I will tell you. If we did what I want to do, which is top 16 teams, there are 16 teams in the NBA with a 500 or better record. So instead of having Brooklyn and Charlotte make the playoffs in the East, you would have the Jazz and Sacramento make it in the West. And that feels completely fine to me. Yeah. Is there anybody out there that thinks the Jazz and the Kings are worse or less deserving than the Nets and the Hornets? No, they have much better records. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, you would be looking at Charlotte would be even behind Minnesota and New Orleans in record. You know, and they would be the eighth seed. And now we're looking at our the West's 11th seed, 12th seed. So, I, I you know, this just drives home the point that we need to have one through 16 seeding. But... Uh, it is interesting. There's a lot of movement left to be had in the West, and there's going to be some good teams that miss a playoff. There's going to be over 500 teams and good teams that miss a playoff in the West. Uh, and if I put my bet money on it right now, it would be the Clippers and the Spurs missing and the Jazz and the Pelicans taking their place in the Western Conference playoffs. Well, I'm taking the Kings getting in. I, I want to see the Kings in, man. I, wa- I love it. It'd I want to see playoff basketball back in Sacramento. I want to see it. Like, we haven't seen that in so long since the glory days of Christie and Bibby and Weber and Divock and Stoyakovich, Turkaloo, uh, the, 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 was it uh, 
so many guys out there. Bobby, Mike Bibby. Bo- my, oh yeah, Mike Bibby, but Bobby Jackson, Scott, mm, yes, Scotty Pollard. I mean, there's Brad Miller. There's so many guys that we, I mean, we haven't seen that type of glory from the Kings in a long time, and I want to see him get back there. I do. I I consider myself a Warriors fan, but I do pull for the Kings. I do because I have a I have a closer connection to that team geographically than I do the Warriors, and I I want to see him do well. So, and I think they can. I think they'll get in at the eight. I think the Spurs and the Clippers will drop out. Yeah. I, I think we're on the same page there, except for the Kings part. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to see the Kings in the playoffs. It would be a lot of fun to see one of these young teams sneak in. Well, if um, the Spurs and Clippers you know. drop out, what's not to say that the Jazz can't get in? What well, you- no, it would be the Jazz. To me, that's what I said. It would be the Jazz that get in and the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans turn uh, it around well, and, and yeah. make it into the playoffs. I don't know if they got that much talent around them. I don't know about that, but. Yeah, and we will uh, we will find we'll out. Find- that's That's about it for this NBA stuff, right, Mitch? Yeah, that's it. There's a lot of stuff to be had. Obviously, trade deadline, all-star break, you know, the last leg of the season all coming up. And there could be a lot of movement in these conferences, a lot of movement between teams. But we're starting to see a picture of some of the more solid playoff teams, particularly in the East and at the top of the West. And we know, you know, pretty much right now who will be there, barring anything crazy. And we look forward to... Uh, to all the fun that gets to come. I love NBA trade deadline. It is by far my favorite trade deadline of any. Uh, it's really? a lot of fun. It is. More, NFL more than trade, MLB? NFL trade, line, trade deadline sucks. Uh, so you can take that out. But yeah, I like it more than MLB. I do. But I that's probably because I like. Trade. I love the MLB trade line too, trade deadline as well. But I don't know. I just love the NBA, so I just like random role players getting traded I guess, around. I guess it's sim- <laughs> so. it's it, I guess it's similar in that like there's a, always a like a big rumor going around. Yes, so. there's always like a huge trade that's supposed to happen, and yeah, and then either does or doesn't. But. Right. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. But it, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Cool. Let's move on. Let's go to. Uh... Let's it's it's time to recap last week's games. Yep, yeah it is. Mitch, um we didn't do so hot on our picks. Well, I didn't. I I picked the Colts and the Chargers both to win. They both did not. In fact, all of the the higher seeds, all of the home teams won this week. Uh so we have one versus two in each conference. Patriots at Chiefs and Rams at Saints. So let's start with the Saturday games and let's start with Chiefs Colts and Mitch. What did you see from this game and are you surprised at the outcome? What what are your thoughts? Uh You know, it's really not all that far off from what I expected. Uh Pat Mahomes going to do his Pat Mahomes thing. He did it without throwing a touchdown by the way. Let's like let's just make that very clear. Yeah. Four rushing touchdowns. Well, yeah, four rushing touchdowns for the Chiefs. Yeah. So uh, One from Damian Williams, one from Tyreek Hill. Darrell Williams and then Pat Mahomes got one in himself. But Pat Mahomes still threw for 278. I mean, uh, a great job by him. Um, uh, the, the Chiefs' defense showed up. I think it, it mattered. And I, it's a weird thing to think. But maybe this Chiefs defense against such an explosive Colts offense the way they have been the last few last I don't know, 
three months. Maybe they're not that bad. I don't know. That's that's my thought. Maybe they're not that bad. Maybe maybe this maybe this defense really can do what it needs to do when it matters. And that's that's what that's what we get out of that team. Yeah, well, and that's I mean, that's all you need. I mean, the offense got you to 12 regular season wins, but all you need from a defense is to keep you in games in the playoffs. The offense is going to score points. They just need to, you know, do enough. And the defense did on Saturday. You know, this game reminded me a lot of the Indianapolis-Houston game from the week before, where in this case, the Chiefs are the ones who got off to the hot start. Defense was really, really tight in the beginning of the game. Offense scored some quick touchdowns, and it was like two-score game real quick, and the Colts were in a hole. And they did it the week before to the Texans. This time it was done to them, and you just can't come back from that against this talented of a team. And the Chiefs pretty much dominated the whole game. Uh, I am surprised that it, I thought it would be a lot closer, but this Chief game, this Chiefs team is very good and very dangerous. And playing at home next week against New England I think is a big advantage, and I'm excited to watch them play. But this Chiefs team is for real, and the defense doing enough in the in the postseason. Yeah, I, I'm going to say right off the bat that the Chiefs' most valuable player getting to the Super Bowl will not be Patrick Mahomes. It'll be Damian Williams. This dude has since uh, Kareem, the whole Kareem Hunt incident and in that he's gone and um, rightfully so. He has committed travesties that can be forgiven over time, but as of right now, we need to process through them. Damian Williams has ran the ball incredibly well. 25 for 129, 5.2 a carry and a touchdown last week against a Patriots defense that isn't great against the run. Colts. Colts defense. Well, they no, they play in the Colts, but they're playing the Patriots. Right. But you said he did that against the Patriots well, defense. Well, no, he did. Okay, yeah, you're right. You He did that against the Colts defense. They're playing the Patriots defense. And I think that that's something that's replicable. That's something that can be repeated again against the defense that I don't have a whole lot of faith in. Um, and, you know, Will, do you want to just take take the pick now? I mean. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can talk about I mean, because, honestly, the Patriots dominated the Chargers. It wasn't even close on Sunday. It wasn't even they close. Got up, they, they had scored 35 points by halftime, and the game was over in the second quarter. So, yeah, let's just talk about this game right now. Chiefs-Patriots on Sunday night in Arrowhead Stadium, Mitch. Who do you got? In Arrowhead, it feels so wrong to pick against them because I feel like it bites you in the ass when you don't. But I'm taking the Chiefs. I got Pat Mahomes going to the Super Bowl, getting on America's biggest stage in football. And getting there in pretty comfortable fashion. I'm going to call 34-24 Chiefs. Mm. 34-24 Chiefs. Okay, I am pretty similar-minded to you. I have Kansas City. I Nothing in me can make me root for the Patriots. 
Uh, so I cannot pick them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I am going to go 35-27. And, yeah, I think I think it's so going to be... Two score, two score. That yeah, it's like eight points, maybe yeah, it's pretty around that around that threshold. But I think it's going to be a game that's pretty back and forth offensively. But second half, the Chiefs will continue to score, and New England will not, and Kansas City will pull away and win the game. I'm going to try to do a whole um, Jimmy the Greek type deal here. The Chiefs are going to trail at halftime, but no. they. But they will come back and win this game at Arrowhead. That'd be I huge. Mean, the Chiefs, they're so good at Arrowhead, historically speaking. And I think they have the right guy at the helm to do it. And so I'm going to take the Chiefs. All right. But I love it. I love it. It'll be a fun game to watch. Mahomes versus Brady. Just fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, I, I look forward to it. Let's talk about the NFC then. So Rams... Got the big win against Dallas at home on Saturday, thirty to twenty-two. Played a pretty good game. Uh, you know, it was it was fairly fairly close. I mean, not, not super super close. I mean, at halftime it was twenty to seven. Dallas put up a fight in the second half, but that was that was about it. You know, they did what they needed to do, which was stop the run. Held Ezekiel Elliott to under fifty yards rushing, and forced. Uh, Forced them to beat them on uh, over in the air, and uh, themselves had 200 yard rushers. This was insane. That C.J. Anderson had 23 carries, most on the team, 123 yards, most on the team, and two rushing touchdowns. Had more carries and more yards than Todd Gurley. Who saw that coming? <laughs> oh, no one, no one. I mean, <laughs> like, there's no way you predict that. No, no way. There's no way you predict that. And you know what? I think it's it's a uh, honestly they were just they were just running the ball that well. But I think yeah. they're also saving Todd Gurley for that big stage there. That is true. You didn't now, he maybe, but you he didn't, also yeah. carried the ball 16 times that game. Well, he still. I mean, he was still a part of the offense, no doubt. But I mean, they were able to rely on Anderson, which I think is a good point. I think it also shows. I, I think a good team. A great team is a team that can beat you in multiple ways. And what the Rams showed in this game against Dallas is that if we want to beat you by running the ball, we can do that. I mean, they ran for over 250 yards. So this is a team that just showed, all right, Dallas shut down Seattle's run last week, the number one rushing team in the league, and showed, hey, we have a stingy run defense. The Rams said, oh, that's cool. And then ran for 250 yards on a top five rush defense. So they're showing you, hey, we can win it on the ground if we need to. We we know they could do it in the air with Jared Goff and the weapons he has. So that's a dangerous combination when the team can beat you in a, numer- in, in a number of ways. And the Rams and the team they'll be playing on Sunday, the Saints, are both teams that can do that. Teams that can beat you in multiple different ways. And that's it's hard to play. It's scary to play. Absolutely. Yeah. It definitely is. 100% agree with you. So let's talk about these Saints then, because they got the win against the Eagles in a rough, tough kind of game, a more defensive game. Philly obviously got up to the hot start, 14 to nothing real quick. Uh, but the Saints came back and won, ended up winning the game 2014. Mitch, what were your thoughts on this game? <laughs> I was super worried because I 
now that my Bears are out of the playoffs, I had to pick someone, right? You got to pick someone. You have to pull for someone in the playoffs. And I was pulling for the Saints, and then the Saints went down 14 nothing. I was like, oh, shit. Everything I touch is in sports dies. That's, <laughs> that, that's the way that happens. But the Saints prevailed. Uh, Nick Foles did not play well. That magic ran out. 18 for 31, 201. He only threw the ball 31 times. What's that put you at? 47 plays? That's not good possession. Right. I mean, you were not controlling the ball at that point. So, uh, too many risks taken by Philadelphia. Um, I think Doug Peterson could have called a better game. But it is what it is. You move on. The better team got in to the got into the NFC Championship game. The Saints are by far the better team, by far, and they got in, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I have to agree with you. You know, you do feel it is difficult when you're Philadelphia and you had a fourteen nothing lead at the end of the first quarter, and you end up only scoring those fourteen points and losing the whole game. That's rough. They had the best chance they had after that first quarter to win this game, and they could not capitalize on it. Um, and yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. It just shows that New Orleans was the better team, and they pulled it off. So now we have the Rams coming into New Orleans to face this team for a chance to play in the Super Bowl. So, Mitch, we both had the Chiefs. How does this game go? Okay. So we're – I mean, this is who is in the Super Bowl. We yep. both had the Chiefs. I really want to see Drew Brees win one more. He's only won one. That was back in, what, 09, 2010, somewhere along that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see Drew Brees win one more. I'm taking the Saints. I'm going to say we the Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl. Okay, what final score? The final score, well, do you want to save that for the Super Bowl game, pregame show? or? No, 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 I'm talking about final score this oh, game. Oh, final score this game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Rams 35, Saints 38. High scoring, but close. So you said 45-38? 38 38-35. A 38-30, so a field goal difference. Yep. Okay. Okay, I like it. I am pretty close to you as far as the final score. I have thirty three thirty one, but I, I have the Rams. Okay, I have the Rams getting an upset here. I just—it's never perfect. That's my thing. It's never perfect. It should be New Orleans and Kansas City, but let, let's let's be real. L.A. was the best team in the NFL for the first half of the season. Sure. Yeah. And obviously, they had a slower second half. New Orleans picked it up, and great, good for them. Uh, but this team was widely looked at as the best team in the NFL, and I think we're kind of sleeping on them because of their slower second half. This is a very talented team offensively and defensively. I think the Rams pull off the win 33-31. to 31. All right. So, I, I, I don't know. We're going to have some freaking great football to watch on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. That's all I know. I mean, this really is... Really good. This, this is ideal. This is what you want. I think... As much as I don't like New Orleans or New England, and I thought that the Chargers were the better team, I think in the end we do have the two most, the four most deserving teams right now here. I think this is how it should be. 
and uh, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yes, absolutely. I think that's is that all we got. That is that is it, guys. What? That is it for today. All right, guys. We want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sports Hour with Mitch Mo and Dallin. Guys, you can find us on Instagram at the Sports Hour Guys. You can find us at on Twitter at Sports Hour Guys. You can like our Facebook page at the Sports Hour with Mitch Mo and Dallin. We will be changing that very soon. Um, get on the social medias. Get get involved in the conversation. Tell us what you think. Tell us we suck. That's the only way we can get better. Yeah, we, we want to hear from you guys. We really do. So we hope you participate. Be sure to follow the Instagram so you can see me shave Mitch's head on Super Bowl Sunday. And also get all our friends' thoughts on the Super Bowl. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, it has been fun tonight, Mitch. I'm glad we it's been, I'm glad it's been a nice conversation. We have some fun football to look at, to watch this weekend. And yes, sir. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I know you are too. Oh, absolutely. I'll probably be FaceTiming you. Maybe we'll yeah, watch we'll definitely be talking about it all day. So, <laughs> guys, it's been real. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your 2019. Go out. Reach those goals that you've set for yourself. Go do good things. We're proud of you. We're here with you. It's been lovely. And we'll catch you next week. See ya! See ya!